Hey everyone! Today we are talking about how to get recommendation letters for your MFA application. But first, if your studio habits need a kick in the butt, ArtProf has everything you need. Tutorials, critiques, and professional development. So, Clara, can you get us started here with these letters of recommendation? Letters of recommendation, they're tricky because I know for a lot of people, they're not sure who to ask, they don't know when to ask, and there's problems because a lot of people, when they're applying for an MFA, they went to school a long time ago. And so maybe they haven't kept in touch with any of their professors. And I've been on both ends. I have been somebody who has written probably 30 letters of recommendation a year when I wow. was at RISD because they all knew I would do it. Lauren, have you ever not asked somebody because you're like, oh my gosh, they're a flake, they're not gonna do it. Yeah, and it also puts you in a state of vulnerability. I always get scared that someone's also gonna say no to me. So <laughs> I only have a few people I trust for letters of recommendation. And it's a bummer because I do think that it favors people who are within academia. And so if you are outside of academia, it can be very tricky. Although for an MFA application, you do need to have an undergraduate degree to apply, but sometimes your undergraduate degree isn't in art. And oh. so <laughs> can you get one from a biology professor for an MFA? It's so confusing. Yeah, this question was brought up at a recent Hunter application session with prospective students and someone said can I get my biology professor or something similar and our one of the teachers said well it would be helpful if you had someone in the arts to write it so it is a thing where do you find these people tell us in the chat who here has had to request a letter of recommendation for an MFA or a BFA or whatever. And who here maybe has been on the other side of the fence, like me, having written, oh my gosh, probably hundreds of letters by now. So the question becomes, Lauren, who should you ask for a letter? And it's really confusing, but really these are the two most important things. They have to be in the art world in some capacity. So Lauren, does it have to be a professor? No, it could be, I worked at a store once or a gallery that had a store and the store manager there worked with artists, bring uh, artists in to have their work sold there in a store capacity. But she was familiar with my work and she's also familiar with the art. So she's someone that I could ask for a recommendation. Could be that maybe you worked as an administrative assistant at an art gallery. Maybe the people there are familiar with your work. So it doesn't have to be a professor, but they do have to know your work. Why is that so important for an MFA? Well, your MFA is all about your work and all about who you are as an artist. And when the faculty are putting together a cohort of accepted students for their next class, they're really looking at how 
students and their personalities will fit together so the students get the most out of each other. So you really want someone who knows you, who knows how you make your work, who knows why you make your work so that it's another opportunity to really shine for the professors so they can see who you are. Notice we're saying current work <laughs> because Lauren, I've had students who graduated and then I didn't see them for years. And then they would come totally out of the woodwork and say, can you write me a letter? Like, I haven't talked to you in six years. I have no idea what you're doing. I don't know what your work is about. Sure, I knew you okay when you were in my class, but that's a situation where I can't write the letter because the MFA application, it's really about what you're doing now. You can't submit work you made eight years ago. Although people do do that. I've seen applications for MFA for schools and they have old work in it. And it always brings up the question in the people that are over overviewing the work. Why, why is this in here? Didn't you make anything in between here? How, is this ha how does this connect with the work that you're doing now? Lisa says, in engineering, you can't see the letter. That is also the true, that is also the case with MFA applications. When I write the letter, I upload it and they don't get to read the letter. They're sealed. I know someone who agreed and wrote a negative letter. That is awful. That's so terrible. Not oh cool. man. Not cool at all. So bad. I would tell somebody, I'm sorry, I can't write you a letter because the assumption is that the letter should be positive. Otherwise there's no point in getting it. I just think that's cruel. Although there, there it is again, is do you trust the person that's going to write a letter? Do you have a relationship, a current relationship with this person? If the person, I mean, that would be pretty, pretty horrible if the person that you got a recommendation from has always been acting so nice to you, but really they thought you were terrible and wrote you a terrible letter. That's, oh man, so bad. But also, how do you find out that they've written you a negative letter? How does that... I want to know. So here's the situation. What if you don't know any professors or artists you can ask? Do you know people who have been in that situation, Lauren? All the time. Comes up all the time, especially with people who, a lot of people who want to go get their MFA, they're going to get their MFA because they are not currently hanging out in artist circles and they feel like they could benefit from one. So it's really a chicken and the egg vicious cycle here. There's a little bit of gatekeeping saying, oh, you need something from an artist, but you don't hang out with artists. So you really have to go out of your way ahead of time. You have to plan ahead, like a year ahead at least, and get those relationships going again, start developing trust with other artists in some way. Here's the thing, developing a professional relationship, it's much more than getting a letter. You should be doing this anyway, if you really are serious about the MFA and making art your profession. This is not something you should just do when you need a letter. You should be doing this all the time. And I think a lot of people don't realize the importance of that. For example, Ginger says, never know how to keep up with an old art teacher I'm so awkward. Well, you did it with me. So how did you do it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, Clara, you're always so easy to talk to. I think I tend to have email relationships back and forth with my old professors because I want to see what they're doing and how they're doing. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about art all the time. One of my professors and I would always talk about how Peter Pan Donuts is the best place to get donuts. <laughs> but another way you can do this is be friends with them over Instagram. If they've got an Instagram, you can like each other's work, comment on it just very casual kinds of stuff. It doesn't have to be so deep all the time, but try not to let these relationships go once you have them, if it's possible. And also don't just start the relationship just to get the letter. Because that, if you say, oh, hey, like comment on some things and they're like, oh, this is, and then say, oh, I want a letter. That's really weird and gross. Like, don't do that. <laughs> you can always tell. It's pretty yeah. obvious. <laughs> And professional relationships, they don't happen overnight. If yeah. you want to develop a relationship with me to the point where I can enthusiastically write you a letter, that takes years. That's not something I'm going to do immediately for you. So Tony Janello, who is my professor at RISD, every time I went back to campus, I would call him up. I'd say, oh, I'm in town. Can you come see me? I mean, I just kept pestering him, basically. And I also knew Lauren. When I finished my undergraduate studies, I was like, I know I want to get an MFA. I better stay in touch because mm -hmm. if I don't, I'm going to be screwed for those letters of recommendation. And so that's really important. And the other thing is, isn't it nice to stay in touch yeah. with your teachers? <laughs> yeah, I have to say I never had that thought like, oh, I'm keeping in touch with this person because I know I'm going to continue in the future. It was more like oh, Gareth Jones is so fun to hang out with. I want to go hang out with Gareth when I'm at RISD or that kind of thing. And it just is a real, I mean, it's good to plan ahead. You should plan ahead. You should do that. But it's also enjoy the all the perks of just being friends with a, a mentor, having that relationship. It's wonderful. Andrew Raftery, who wrote one of my letters of recommendation for my MFA, he has helped me probably 10 times more after school than when I was his student at RISD. So there are huge benefits to mm -hmm. developing those relationships. And after I got a letter from him, it wasn't, see ya. It was, oh, that's one tiny thing that happened. And actually, I ended up writing him a letter when he was <laughs> a tenure. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, it goes I think, ways. yeah, I'm, I have to say that it, to make this feel more comfortable for you in asking, it really is good to have that relationship over time because you do give back in a way to that other person. So for you, Clara, for instance, I remember you were writing your book and you sent me a draft to look over. And I was so happy to do that and read that. That was really fun. So there is an exchange going on. And ideally with anybody that you ask, there should be some kind of a exchange or feel a, an amount of equality in the relationship. You're not just some underling. You're, you guys should have an equal relationship, I feel like. And you never know 
that one visit where you wandered into your professor's classroom could get you on a live stream with me because that's what happened <laughs> with me and Jordan. He just stopped by my class. He said, hello, we chatted. That's why he's here because he did that. If he had never come to my classroom and I'd never seen him after the class he was in, I would not have thought to ask him to work here. And so these little things, they don't seem like a big deal, but they really are because when you're a teacher and a student makes the effort to engage with you outside of, oh, getting a grade, you notice that. Yeah, definitely. Subnangelic says, what is the point of the latter? Are they just making sure you're committed to the work? Mostly, yeah. I'd say that your portfolio is by far the most important thing, and then your statement, and then letters of recommendation are mostly a character check. And so you don't need the fanciest person ever to, to write them. I think a lot of people, especially at the MFA level, think that they need, oh, the person that went to Yale or something like that. But really that's it's not going to make or break you and it's much more important about the content of the letter rather than the person that's writing it what do you think clara yeah it's basically validation that you're not somebody who just picked up a pencil and started scribbling things i mean it's to say that yes you have a substantial practice you are in a place where you are ready to pursue a master's. Because I've had students, they ask me for letters for an MFA, and I know their work isn't quite there yet. And so I'll tell them that. I'll say, listen, I don't want to write you a letter right now because I think you need to do more work. So that way you really are ready for that experience. And in some ways, that's a wake-up call. Because if I say that to you, Lauren, hey, I'm not so sure you're ready, what would your reaction be? I probably wouldn't apply to school yet because it's expensive and I trust what you say. <laughs> Lisa says, why is the letter about the work? They can see the work. Shouldn't it be about your work ethic or communication skills, things that don't show? I think that there, that's a great question, first of all. I think that there is a lot of things that happen in the process of making the work that are really relevant to who you are as an artist, stuff that professors see, how you work, um, defines what the work ends up looking like. So they're, the, the artist and the artwork are really interconnected. They're, they're hard to pull apart, especially in this day and age. And you do talk about their work ethic and their communication skills and ability to engage critically with the work. It's all one big package. It's just I've seen definitely students have come to me. I look at the portfolio. I always ask to see the portfolio before I decide to write the letter. And I look at the work and it seems like this mishmash of undergraduate homework assignments. And in that case, I'm not going to be able to write anything positive because if you have a portfolio like that, you're not really ready to do an MFA. You really have to have work that has a more cohesive vision that stands on its own. Now, asking to be a teaching assistant, just do it. I was always scared to ask, but Lauren, you were not. <laughs> 
I was everybody's teaching assistant undergrad. Actually, it's so bad. I was teaching assistants so many times that I've said no to doing teaching assistants this time around in my MFA, which I don't know, might affect me poorly down the line because it really does help. It creates a mentorship between you and that artist because you are working together all the time. They are really seeing how you are working, how your organization skills, it's different than being a student. And so um, it's, it's, it kind of does the, the framework does the work for you a little bit in developing that relationship. And really, when I've had students who are teaching assistants, it's a collaboration that I have with that student. And it's a deeper level of relationship because a teaching assistant position is for a whole semester. So this is not just, oh, I see you once. It really is significant. Ginger Cell's asking, you can ask to be an assistant. Clara, do you teachers choose their assistants just from a pool of students or is it more often for you that you see students ask to teach? Sometimes they, I will, well, hmm, let me see. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I have had a lot of students email me and say, oh, can I be your teaching assistant? More often than not though, I do have students who I want to work with. Lauren, you're fabulous. So I will be a terrific teaching assistant. And I was very picky about my teaching assistants because, oh boy, if you got a bad one, <laughs> it can increase your workload for the class. But you can ask for anything. I mean, what's the worst case scenario? The professor says, no, life goes on. I also feel like, Clara, you are really... The word is not abnormal, but unusually popular. <laughs> you are unusually popular as a professor. And in my program, in the MFA program, mostly it's the students that ask the teacher to be, the, all the teachers are always looking for teaching assistants. And it's really reliant on the students to take the initiative to ask. So I would say default to that. That is, it seemed, at least in my experience, it seemed like more like the norm, unless you are Clara and have people <laughs> clamoring to, <laughs> to be your teaching assistant. <laughs> now, if you're not currently in your undergraduate studies, here are a couple ways you can start to develop relationships. This is not a one and done. Oh, you went to Open Studios once, boom, I'm getting a letter. <laughs> But it can be the seed of what can happen. So I'm teaching a monotype workshop at this print shop here in Salt Lake City. The way that happened is I met the printmaker at Open Studios. And I said to her, oh my gosh, I love your work. I really did. Oh my gosh, she's amazing work. And she said to me, oh, you're a printmaker too? Oh, you should come visit me at the print shop. I was like... I'm there. (laughs) And so we chatted and got along. And now I'm teaching that workshop there. Yay, that's so cool. Yeah, that happens all the time. We've got an open studio event at my school. And that's how I met a ton of people that I'm still in contact with now. And I think similarly, or kind of related to that is if there are no events in your area, 
which I have heard is the case with a lot of people here on Art Prof. You're in a place that just doesn't have much in the way of the arts. Well, you can still make your own event. One thing that I've seen that is really useful for creating these relationships is creating your own crit group. Put put it out there, put, uh, put signs or, or let people know that you want to start a crit group and you can get people in and start building that trust and uh, keeping each other accountable and looking at each other's work. Because if you don't have a teacher available, which happens a lot, you can still also ask an artist who just knows your work really well or a collaborator. I've asked Eloise for letters of recommendation and she's asked me. And I think that's totally appropriate because we've known each other for 10 years and know our work really well. I think the key here is to meet people in person. That's when you really remember somebody. So for example, the Southern Graphics Council Conference is the major annual printmaking conference. I mean, we're all printmaking dorks, so of course we're gonna get along. <laughs> but the nice thing about the conference is it's several days. And so you can meet somebody one day and the next day say, oh, come hang out with us for lunch. And I've done that at our educator conferences, met tons of people that way. And then after the conference is over, then we stay in touch on social media. So these are things that are multiple steps, but they really can come to fruition. And that's where there's a huge payoff in a lot of different ways. Maria's asking, I'm a bachelor's architecture student. Can I get admission in RISD in postgraduate and fine arts? So I don't know specifically about RISD, but your undergraduate degree does not have to be in fine arts for you to get a fine arts degree. That's something, Lauren, a lot of people are very worried about. Yeah, and in fact, and we always say this on our streams, having a degree that's not in the arts sometimes makes you a more attractive candidate because you have unique background experience that you can draw into your work. There are plenty of painters out there, for instance, who just went to undergrad painting and then just went into painting painting or MFA painting and all they know is painting. And that conversation gets stale really fast. Me being one of those people who went from painting to painting. So we need you that do that do not have a fine arts undergrad degree. We need you really badly. Ella's asking, how do you feel about being asked to write your own recommendation, then having the recommender edit it or not and sign it? I would not be happy to do that <laughs> because, I mean, don't you want the recommender to write it? I have had teachers who were lazy enough to recommend that. And I was like, see ya. <laughs> oh, that happened. I'm fine with it. I feel like that happens a lot. And basically it's like, okay, what do you, how would you want to be perceived? I mean, at least you know what the letter looks like, right? It, it's just very common and I, I think it's fine. Shaw says, did my bachelor's in fine arts, now I'm stuck without an MFA. Any source where a person could get information about enrolling for masters on scholarship? It depends if you are an international student applying to a program in the US, or if you're somebody who lives in the US who applies to a US school. It is tricky though, there are not a lot of grants 
for master's mm -hmm. programs. Am I wrong or right, Lauren? Yeah, the mass, the MFA in particular, it's just not a well-funded. <laughs> it's not like going arts. into the science. Yeah, it's not like going into the sciences where they pay for everything. I, but there are a few programs that are cheaper than others. I would really look at state universities. A lot of the time, have cheaper programs than the uh, private schools. At, at least, yeah, here in the U.S. Now, here's a question. How long should you know your recommender? I don't think there's any period of time, go a minimum six months. It depends on the depth of the interaction. Because Lauren, I've written letters for students I had at the RISD pre-college program, which was only six weeks. And mm -hmm. yet, why do you think that was enough for me to do that? The RISD pre-college program is pretty intense. You have a lot of contact hours with those students and that I, I can't come up with a number of hours off the top of my head, but you develop pretty deep relationships with the students over that period of time. And again, as we've said, your rapport. I mean, maybe I worked with somebody at a five-day workshop and I was with them for six hours every single day, that's fine. <clears throat> but it does help to have an interaction outside of the class. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I'd say that's the bigger thing and a good test of rapport too. Do you, if, if you had good conversations with the teacher in class and you feel enthusiastic about talking outside of the class, probably a good choice for a recommender down the line that because you, you know, you get along, you feel comfortable with them. Honestly, talk to them after class, get yeah. to class a little early chat with them. Then those little conversations, they go pretty far. So here's a question. When should you ask for a letter? Because honestly, this is my biggest pet peeve. <laughs> and maybe I shouldn't take so much offense, but when students don't give me a lot of notice, I feel like they're not respecting my time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is such a... Clara, I'm on both ends of this. I've been the student that has asked... In high school, once I asked someone a day before, oh, <laughs> not cool. <laughs> I didn't realize it back then. That was one of the first times I asked. But I think there's an anxiety of asking because it puts you in a vulnerable position. But the longer you wait, actually, the worse you're making it for yourself, because the more likely the, the person you're asking is going to say no or feel really stressed out about it. So... You say a month in advance. Honestly, I would even go like two months in advance or two and a half months in advance. Be like, hey, heads up. I have this down the line. Can I trust you? Can I use you for this? I had students who would ask me four months in advance and <clears throat> I would say, OK, I'll write it. I would agree to write it. And then mm -hmm. I'd say, OK, a month before that's when you should send me the materials. So that is the safest way to do it. You get the agreement early on. And then when they come to me and say, oh, here are the letters off, I go, okay, I, I don't have to make a decision. I mean, I was super strict about it at RISD because even with all my requirements, I'd write 30 or 40 a year. And they're time yeah. consuming to write. And 
you know, you don't charge money for it, obviously. You just write it. It's just part of being a teacher. And so it's a big time suck on my end when I have to write 30 or 40 a year. And so I would say to students, listen, to be eligible for a letter, you have to get a B plus or higher because otherwise everybody would ask me for one. And so as a professor, it is okay for you to really draw the line and say, hey, anything below this, I can't do it for you because I'm happy to do it, but it is a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, Clara, do you have a, a ballpark amount of time that you usually spend on a letter? I am curious because I've written letters and I feel like it takes me forever. <laughs> I've done so many that I can usually do it in about 20 or 30 minutes. Wow, that's so quick. I feel nice. like I've spent... I feel like I spend like several hours looking through. Well, I'm much more of a novice about writing them than you are, but I feel like I need to do like a lot of research about the person too, just to make sure that everything I'm saying still applies. And good thing to know for you guys who are asking for recommendations, give as much info as possible to your professor beforehand so you can save them that time. They'll really appreciate it. Yeah, and don't assume you're going to get the letter. Because if you assume, oh, I'll just ask them two weeks before, and they say no, then you're really screwed. So just assumptions are not a good thing. You really have to give yourself that lead time mm -hmm. just in case so you can say, okay, I need to go find somebody else. That's really important. Now, this is my big pet peeve. You have to make it easy for your recommender. Why? Because otherwise they're going to do what I just did where you have to research everything and it's really frustrating and it takes a lot of time. And also you don't, your recommender has other things on their plate. Again, this is volunteer. It's unpaid. They're just doing this for you. And so they are not necessarily going to have the deadlines and things on the top of their head. You have to basically provide the structure for them to, to do this and to do it easily. I always say to students, I need your deadlines, I need your school list, and send me those email requests from the schools as soon as you possibly can. Nothing gets on my nerves more than when people ask for a letter, they leave me in the dark, they tack on four more applications a week, like it just drives me insane. And you know something I remember when you're a pain in the butt. Some <laughs> students are great. They just give me exactly what I need. I get it done. I mean, I had to do a letter for somebody once and I don't think they understood how the common app site worked. And it ended up being like 10 emails back and forth because they couldn't <laughs> figure it out. And I just was so irritated by the whole situation because it, it's just, it's enough work as it is. I have to write the letter. I have to upload it to all these different schools. Every school has their own stupid portal. Some of them want me to make yeah. an account. Others don't care. And I'm like, yeah. and a lot of students are applying to 10 schools. So you just multiply 10 by 40, it's 400 times I have to upload a letter. And so just, just really try to make it easy for them. Phosphor says, is it good to ask multiple teachers at once or just ask one, then go to another person if they don't send the letter? 
usually schools that I've seen ask for more than one letter. So I find personally in all of my applications that I ask teachers more than more than once for things. And what I do is I create a list of people that I would trust asking for a letter and then try to fit them within the different schools or different jobs based off of their expertise and what the letter is asking. And then I will just go down the line and be like, hey, so-and-so, can you write me a letter for this and this? And then, hey, so-and-so, can you write me a letter for this and this? And as I get responses back, I can edit or change things as needed and say, hey, can you actually do this one as well? Because basically they're going to be copy pasting mostly what they have into things. So it's better to ask them all at once for a few schools if you need that than going, hey, can you do this? And then a little while later, hey, can you do this? I think personally. <laughs> now, sometimes some of us kind of wait till the last minute to submit these letters because we have busy lives, okay? It is okay for you to check in with the professor, let's say a week before your deadline, type a polite email and say, hi, following up on the letter of recommendation, want to remind you that the deadline is next Friday. A lot of students feel like that's rude. I don't think it is. Oh, I appreciate it. I need that. It's sometimes, even if I know that the letter is due, I still, the, the poke, getting that poke, Get, gives me the impetus to do it right then and there when I get that uh, that week ahead of time email reminder. And I know from my own experience of asking for letters of recommendation, that is pretty similar for <laughs> the people that I've asked for letters from, is they'll they'll do it on that that last minute reminder. So do it. And then I'd say you can do it one more time if this person has promised you a letter and it's the day beforehand and you don't see anything. Like then you, <laughs> then I feel like it's kind of on them. They really, and it's, you, you got to put out that email. On the other hand though, don't be demanding about it. Cause I once had a student who followed up and they said, Hey, where's the letter? I said, I'm going to do it. It will get done. And they wrote back and said, well, I really would feel better if you did it on this day. It's really important to me so I can be more comfortable about my application. I was like, I told you I would do it. Don't demand that I do it on a specific day for your comfort. Because Lauren, I like to think I'm a pretty responsible teacher. I'm, I'm not the type of person to flake entirely. And that made me mad and I remembered it. Yeah. That's, that's very true. And also, I will say that this is a little secret tip, guys. The schools are pretty lenient, in my experience, with receiving late letters of recommendation because this yes. happens. This really happens more than you think. So it's, it's better not to make your, your recommendation letter person angry. Just talk to the school and say, hey, my person is late. And they'll say, oh, we get it. <laughs> now, this is very important. You can get the letter. You're all set. Sure. You never have to talk to that recommender ever again. But why is this critical, Lauren? Saying thank you. 
because they did a lot of work for you and they're also helping you get the thing that you want to get they invested some they're invested in you and saying thank you is the least you could do it just it makes the the recommender feel seen and it allows you to continue that relationship later without being awkward or anything it just really ties up everything in a bow it feels nice also it takes two seconds yes. you can take two seconds to do that when your recommender spent be it 20 minutes or several hours or weeks doing your <laughs> recommendation letter you know i really remember people who say thank you it stands out because a lot of people don't and i think that's a real bummer that regular just being polite is oftentimes not the norm. That really bums me out a lot. Yeah. Amanda saying, should I make references, photos to what I'm working on? If I have contact with the recommender, but they don't necessarily know what I've been working on in the past year. Well, assuming you're staying in touch with them. I mean, Andrew Raftery saw my work all the time before I applied for an MFA because we stayed in touch. But if that's not the case, you just send them a link to your portfolio. So that way they have that. And that's usually enough. Yeah, I even if I have a good relationship with a person where I've seen their work frequently, I usually do ask for stuff that you're working on right now, like a studio shot or something, as well as the portfolio and even a couple paragraphs of what you're doing with your life right now. It just gives me a better context of what, uh, how you're growing and changing versus how I know you from when we work together. Maria says, any instructions for an international student who wants to get an MFA in a prestigious art school regarding CGPA? I think you mean GPA, grade point average, which is your grades. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to have a super low GPA, but really the portfolio is the most important thing because people yeah. say to me, oh, I, I should enter competitions. If I win competitions, then I should put that down and that'll help me. No, unless you won the Guggenheim, it's, it's not really that helpful. It's really the portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody cares about your it's, it's, GPA is kind of a joke when you're at the MFA level. I know some people that haven't even looked at their grades since they came to school. I mean, as long as you're passing the classes, like you're fine. There's a lot of confusion between what is the difference between a letter of recommendation versus a reference. I have done both, but the letters of recommendation, they're really for academia for the most part. Mm -hmm. And the reference is more like, I feel like with a reference, the person has to do less, the person you're asking, because really it's just someone might send you a, an email or give you a call and say, hey, what do you think about this person? And then you say a couple sentences and that's it. So the reference, yeah, job applications, residencies. Recently, I found you need reference, not letters of recommendation. And you're just asking for permission, basically, so that person doesn't get a random call from a random person saying, hey, what, like, that's so weird. That's so creepy. You have to give a heads up. It's happened to me. I've had students just put me down, didn't yeah. ask. And I was mad. That's not 
cool. You have to call them and say, hey, are you willing to be a reference for this and this? And I say, well, what do they want from me? Most of the time, they just want your contact information. And the most they'll ask for usually is a phone call or an email or something like that. They just want to yeah. make sure you're not totally out of your mind, <laughs> that you're a valid human being who can put two sentences together. That's usually, because yeah. usually in a job, once they're calling references, that means they're pretty close to hiring you and they want yeah. to see if there's any red flags. Now, letters, degree programs, obviously, once in a while, a grant application. The only one I can think of is the Guggenheim. I can't think of any other art grant that requires it. So it's not as common, but it does happen sometimes. Yeah, agreed. We have super chats here. Thank you, Amanda, and thank you, Sonnet18. Uh we so much appreciate your support. Thank you all. And we do have a lot of other information on the various aspects of applying for an MFA. And I'm doing a live Q&A tomorrow, I think at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern. And so if you have questions just about anything related to the MFA, you can pop in tomorrow night. This Google Slideshow is available. The link is in the YouTube video description below. And it's also on artprof.org. There's tons of content on our website. It's not on YouTube. The best way to use it, type whatever it is you're looking for into the search bar. Please join Lauren and I. We will be in the post live streams channel in the ArtProf Discord for some chatting. If you're not in the Discord, shame on you. You better join because it's where all the cool kids hang out. <laughs> There are many ways you can support ArtProf. You can sponsor a video. I really want to make this video about this lemon meringue pie that the Bread Fairy made because when you guys sponsor the videos, we can make the more obscure stuff. In fact, Lauren, I love that Pickle the Pug sponsored our Styrofoam Cup demo. <laughs> I'm so, I, Pickle the Pug is an angel. I'm obsessed with this. Thank you, Pickle. <laughs> Look at all these. These four videos happened because somebody in our community offered to sponsor the video. And I'd so much rather do this than make ads for corporate companies. That is not fun, but we have to keep the lights on. And so if you want us to make content for the community, consider sponsoring a video. We do have ArtProf services available. You can buy an artist call, a portfolio critique, also statement editing, especially helpful for school applications. You can make a one-time donation via Venmo and also PayPal. And thank you so much, Ali G, for being our latest top Patreon supporter. We can't do this without you. Thank you all for that, but I'm so sad, Lauren. Like our Patreon oh, no. is taking a major nosedive and it's it's been like this it for must a while. be like a new year's thing too people are saying oh i need to reevaluate my budget well you could reevaluate your budget in the opposite way and say hey i want to make a new year's resolution to support art prop for the year well and i'm sad because this is the lowest our patreon has been in a long time and oh. so remember you get perks when you join the Patreon. You get more staff interaction in the Discord. You get exclusive content. And so you're not getting nothing for this. You're getting a lot of goodies. So keep that in mind. 
Art Prof has a podcast. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. Subscribe to our channel for more art tutorials, critiques, and business tips. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.